What was your welcome to Kansas moment? That first meeting when we all walk in, we all get on campus, and Coach Self just keep it right, right, real with you. Like, I don't care what you did last year. I don't care what you think you are. I don't care what you think you're going to do. Like, this is what I do. This is how we win. And if you listen to that, then you can go somewhere else, pretty much. I think that was like a, oh, okay. Well, I better listen and do what I need to do so I can play. For playing in a Final Four, like most people don't understand how, how serious that is. When it comes to a Final Four, there's 70,000 people there. What's it like playing in, front, in a football stadium full of people? Like, What's that environment like? I mean, you can't even describe it, bro. That job was unbelievable. And it's crazy that it was in San Antonio, and now I'm here in San Antonio, which is ironic. But, uh, you know, your nerves is just running wild. You're excited. Can't sleep before the, the night before the game. Uh, then you run out the tunnel. It's like nothing you've ever seen when you see all the KU fans. Um, it was – it was. you feel me? You can't – you really can't describe it unless you're really running out that tunnel to, to that crowd. So Dad used to tell me all the time. He used to tell me all the time. Uh, don't worry about the mules, just go the way. Today's episode is brought to you by Factor Meals. Super excited to be partnered with Factor because I use them all the time. I love Factor. It's a quick, easy, fresh, healthy, chef-prepared meal. Allows me to be easy. at the top of my game for longer. It's healthy. It's hard to find fast food that's good for you. Factor's the way to go. Do you use them a lot? I use them a lot. And when he says fast food, this is the fastest food you can get. You don't have oh, to drive 100%. anywhere and go to a drive-thru. I mean, you pull it out of your fridge and you poke a couple holes in the little in the in the film, put it in the microwave two minutes and it's ready. They're just fast, easy. Get me going in breakfast, get me going at lunch when I'm having a hard day at work or a fast day at work. They're easy, they're healthy, and uh, they taste really, really good. Head to factormeals.com slash rockchalk50 and use code rockchalk50 at checkout for 50% off your meal. That's right, head to factormeals.com slash rockchalk50 and use code rockchalk50 for 50% off your order. Head there now. I love them. Chris loves them. Support the pod. Support factors. We love y'all. Appreciate it, Mitch and Chris. Before we get back to Raw Chalk, I got to tell you guys about the best way to make money on sports. I've been in search of the best way to fire on sports for the last year or so. I've tried every sports book, all the different apps, but Prize Picks is the best way to make money on sports. On Prize Picks, you pick players and not teams. Each player has a set total stat projection. So let's say Patrick Mahomes has a higher or lower than 220 passing yards. If you think he's going to have more, you just click on more. When it hits, you make a bunch of money. I just hit a four player pick on last. Last night, 10x in my money, 100 bucks to win a thousand. And the best part is, you can go to prizefix.com slash rockchalk and use the code rockchalk for a 100% deposit match up to $100. That's prizefix.com slash rockchalk. Use the promo code rockchalk for a 100% deposit match up to 100 bucks. Who knows what you can turn that 100 bucks into? I turned mine into a thousand last night. Let me know what you do in the comments. to another episode of Rock Chalk Unplugged. I'm Chris Tehan, along with my co-host, Mitch Lightfoot, and we got a special guest for y'all today. First team All-American, Big 12 Player of the Year, Devontae Graham. Devontae, how we doing? What up, my boys? <laughs> Devontae, great to have you on. I wanted to ask you a couple questions that was on most people's minds lately in regards to the NCAA's sanctions against KU. 
they came down and vacated wins from the 2018 season, which is obviously very important to all of us because that was the year we all played together. Uh, you put us on your back that year and, and took us to a Final Four. What does that mean to you? And, and do you think that those wins still mean a lot to, to everyone in Kansas, in Kansas Nation, and, and to us players? Uh, definitely, definitely means a lot. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, I feel like uh, like everybody you know, got screwed, um, but you can't take those wins away from us. You know, taking away the fourth grade, like we were there, we did it, we accomplished it, and it's like, I mean, if they, in their eyes, they can take it away, but at the end of the day, we all know, you know, like what we did. And hey, um, I still, I still got my ring. I don't know if you guys still have your ring until they take that away from me. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I still got my ring too. So, <laughs> can't, can't touch it. Can't touch well, it. Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll get back to the Kansas stuff here in a minute. But I kind of want to go through chronological. Your story is really, really interesting. I mean, you played, uh, you played high school ball out in Raleigh, and um, you commit uh, originally to. You were Appalachian State, right? App State, yeah. App State. And so then you decided you wanted to get out of it. They wouldn't let you decommit. So you go take another year, go to Brewster Academy, do great there. Kind of what was your outlook at the end of the year at Brewster? Were you really like, okay, this was the right choice? To go to Brewster? To go to Brewster and just to kind of be like, hey, like I'm not going to go to App State. I'm just going to bet on myself. Like give me another year. I can prove to everybody that I am. I'm better than that. Absolutely. That was the probably one of the best decisions I made in my life. And go there and play with those guys I played with and play with Coach Smith. Um, it really got me ready to play at Kansas. Uh, that was no question that that was a uh, like decision as far as ball goes. Yeah, and I mean you're a three star recruit at the beginning, and you go to Kansas. What was your outlook? on kind of what you thought your career was going to be when you committed to Kansas? Were you like, hey, I'm just going to go in there, try to get as many wins as I can, get out? What, what was kind of your thought press? Like, what was your idea of your career going on? Uh, I had no clue, bro. And when I first committed, I was just, like, happy just to be going to, you know, a prestige school like that uh, in basketball. You know, I was just happy to be there. Um, You know, that was a, a major jump obviously from App State, Kansas. So, like, I was excited to get to campus. I remember my visit with Wayne and everybody at Tyler and all those guys who was there, Frank. So, uh, I was just excited to, to be around those guys and uh, obviously the coaching staff. So, um, I didn't I was going to play <laughs> when I first got there. And my mindset was just, you know, go in, work hard, and see what happens. Who was uh, the guy that took you under your wing when you got to Kansas? Like, who was that guy, that guy for you that was really your mentor? Uh, it was definitely Wayne. I would say it was Wayne. Um, I mean, he hosted me on my visit. So, from day one, you know, I kind of, you know, bonded with him a lot. Jamari flew in there. You know, Evan and Tyler did their thing, too. So, I mean, a lot of us was close, but I feel like Wayne uh, definitely probably the main guy. What was your welcome to Kansas moment? I mean, we all have ours. We ask everyone who comes on the podcast. But when was that, either that first practice, first play, that you were like, okay, things are a little different here? <laughs> it was the first meeting, man. That <laughs> uh, first meeting, we all walk in, we all get on campus. And Coach Self just 
keep it right, right, real with you. Like, I don't care what you did last year. I don't care what you think you are. I don't care what you think you're going to do. Like, this is what I do. This is how we win. And if you listen to that, then you can go somewhere else, pretty much. I think that was like a, oh, okay. Well, I better listen and do what I need to do so I can play. And obviously your career, like you came on strong your freshman, sophomore year, and you really took off your junior and senior year. How, how much did it mean to you to stay for those four years and, and to really invest in the program and, and everybody there, I think, invested in you? Uh, I mean, it meant everything. I mean, I wasn't, I never thought about really being a one year, two year guy and then going to the league anyway. So, um, my biggest thing, my mom always wanted me to get my degree. So like that was big in my mind. And then, you know, as much as Coach Self, all of them invested in me and, and you know, wanted me to be great, it, it made me day. You know, I talked about even after my junior year, um, but I had a terrible game. Uh, when we lost to Oregon. So, like, that played a big part in I owe this school, you know, I owe this program a lot. I don't want to leave, you know, with bad thoughts. <laughs> I don't want to leave with bad thoughts. Yeah, for sure. No, that yeah. locker room afterwards, that was that was one of the more somber environments I've ever been in. Obviously, it's Frank's last game, Landon's last game, Tyler's last game. Like, those guys have put so much into this program into – to see them sad and, and, and down after that loss, that, that for me personally, that, that, that did a lot for my, uh, for my outlook on basketball and, out, and my outlook on how much these guys really care about, where, care about Kansas and care about the guys around them, the coaches. So I, I think you're absolutely spot on with, with, with saying that that, that, uh, that game impacted, impacted a lot of decisions for a lot of people. And I think, too, that, like, that's kind of the common theme with Kansas basketball. Like, you look at when we won the national championship, I mean, our 2021 year was just awful. I mean, awful. And, then, like, everyone who came back, they came back for the sole reason that, yeah, they had, they felt like they let the university down. And I think that, would you say that that fueled you? I mean, you, you already said it fueled you for the next 2018 year. But the next 2018 year, I mean, that was hard year. Like, that really, the first part of the year, people were talking about us being – the worst Kansas team that they put on the floor in so long. What was that kind yeah, of motivating to like keep playing? I mean, yeah, we lost three games and they're sitting there talking about we're the worst team to ever step foot on court. Like people calling for coach self's head and then yeah, we're going to the final four. But yeah, let me hear your thoughts on that. Uh, I mean, bro, it was definitely a struggle at first. I mean, I remember coach, even coach self was about the worst team. Like, I can't believe like, uh, it was crazy. Uh, I don't know. I told the story before, but I don't know if y'all remember. We was at practice, and we, it looked so bad. Like, I was so bad. I just the other end of the court, and I was crying. Mm-hmm. Like, and Coach walked down there and me. It was like, bro, what's wrong? Bro, this this shit is bad. We 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 don't know what we're doing. We Nobody cares. Like, everything about Kansas, you got to care. Like, everybody said, you know, you really open a, a J. Don't fly out like you got to have that care about the program, the fans, and stuff like that. Body, we didn't have energy, so uh, I was just real frustrated. But um, it ended up being uh oh, no good, you're good. Okay, <laughs> end up being um, obviously, we turned that gen around three degrees. Like, nobody expected us to win it 14 straight, nobody expected final four, uh, and it ended up being one of my best years. 
And that's like that's kind of where I was getting at with that question. I was going to follow up with what you thought the turning point was. So I remember that practice very vividly. We're going to go play Texas. I can't remember if it's down at Texas or we're playing Texas at home. I think it was down at Texas. And, yeah, it was, like, over Christmas break. And I saw you go to the other side of that court. And that's kind of when, like, the light – I mean, you can say Doak's head. Like, the light kind of turned on at Doak's head. The light turned on for, like, Marcus Garrett. Um, Malik started playing really great. Like, obviously not a, right away. But it did change kind of the outlook that our team had where it's like, okay, our best players sitting there and kind of questioning us as a team. Like, what are we going to do? Are we all going to scatter or are we all going to get – fist tight and I mean we went out there and every grimy game you could possibly win after that was was we, we got it. yeah we had to, had to. We, we definitely turned that shit around man it was it was great to see feel me because it would have been terrible to go out bad like that in my senior year so uh I loved every moment of it for playing in a final four like most people don't understand how how serious that is when it comes to a Final Four, there's 70,000 people there. What's it like playing in front in a football stadium full of people? Like, what's that environment like? I mean, you can't even describe it, bro. That job was unbelievable. And it's crazy that it was in San Antonio, and now I'm here in San Antonio, which is ironic. But, uh, you know, your nerves is just running wild. You're excited. Can't sleep before the, the night before the game. Uh, then you run out the tunnel. It's like nothing you've ever seen when you see all the KU fans. Um it was, it was, you feel me? You can't, you really drive it unless you're really running out that tunnel to, to that crowd. So, I mean, it gives, it gives me like a, a newfound respect for, for college football and NFL players. Like, yeah, 70,000 players, like 70,000 people there. Like, makes everything. Alan Fieldhouse is special. Don't get me wrong, but there's 16,000 people in there. Like, you right. go in, we're in Alamo Dome, and there's 75,000, 80,000 people in there. It's, so it's a little bit, it's a little bit different, which is, which is it's super special. Bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> it's a tiny bit. When you're in Allen, it feels like it's like 75,000. Yeah, that's, that's the truth. That's the truth. It gets as loud, yeah, it gets as loud as 100. But DT, so you all, obviously our final four game that year didn't go the way of plan. That game doesn't count anyways anymore. So that never happened. Don't have to worry about that one. But would you take, <laughs> would you take, uh, the final four game against Villanova or our win at Texas Tech to kind of, like, you make that shot. That's really to clinch 14 straight. Was that your favorite, like, was that your favorite game at Kansas? Wait, you said would I take? Would you, I mean. What was, like, your, fa- what was your favorite like, game favorite, at Kansas? Would you, would you, like, would you go back and relive the final four again? Or would you go back and relive the Texas oh, Tech? I can't really not relive that game again. We were down 20 at halftime. Uh, I'm going to go with Tech winning 14 for sure. Favorite game, though, was against Buddy Hill and then with triple overtime. Yeah. Crazy. Oh, yeah. Talk about that game a little bit. Hey, Buddy was going crazy. We still ended up getting a win. Like, I don't know. Like, there's not a lot of teams that can get a win when a guy in her team has 46 points. Like, no other (laughs) Buddy Buddy was going berserk. unstoppable but i mean basically number one versus number one because we were number one in one poll and it was number one in another poll and that was just like an instant class like i was playing well everybody both teams making clutch shots clutch free throws and obviously you know down the stretch we get the game winning stop um frank get that deal still so i mean that game and the comeback thing is like 
Like, you know, yeah. right there. I don't know which one to pick, but them two are definitely my favorite at the Fieldhouse. In my, in my eyes, I got to stay at the West Virginia game because I was there. I had a front row to that thing. Between <laughs> yeah. the legs, between the legs, pull up. We're down, coming back in, in, uh, in, in the second half, man. Crazy. Place was jumping the loudest. There's the loudest indoor arena that's ever. Right. Guinness Book of World that's, Records. Like, that's when we set the record, that game, I think. Yeah, it was. It was. Like, couldn't hear yourself think. Like, crazy. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you, what was – what was Coach Self saying at halftime of the OU game and Buddy's going crazy? Like, is it more of like a all right, this guy's having a crazy game, or like, what the hell can you guys not guard this guy? Like, what does he say it, at halftime? A little bit of both, but you know he challenged. <laughs> you know he's going to challenge us to every time. Like, you can't guard this guy. All right, who who are we going to put on this guy? Like, he'll look at KT and be like, "Who do you think we're going to who who can guard this guy?" So that's what he was on. Like, he did, he was trying to challenge us defensively and. It was it was nobody who was really guarding him. Frank did a Frank did a pretty good job, but I mean he still had forty six. That's crazy. Think about Coach Self. Like Jesus could be down on the basketball court, and he could be twenty for twenty from three. Like just literally supernatural power. He'd come to the locker room and be like, "We have nobody who can guard this guy. Seriously, we have a bunch of soft dudes." <laughs> what the hell are you guys doing? You can't guard him. You're right. Exactly. Devontae, speaking of Coach Self, I wanted to ask you what is what is your uh, what is your thoughts on playing for Coach Self and then going and playing for Coach Popovich? Like, what are the similarities? What are the differences? And obviously, how do you how do you enjoy playing for Coach Pop? Man, they they're super similar. Like they they both are on you. They want what's best for you. Like, but on you hard. Like to a point where you can't do nothing but respect it. And they they actually like they care like, about their players and like what's going on in your life. Like, it's more than basketball. Like, every day we walk in, pop, you got something on the board, you know, that's not basketball related. Like, something that's about the world or something that's about what you should be doing in your life, which builds you together. And I think Coach Self does that in his own way as well, uh, where, where he gives his quotes of, about things that's, you know, bigger than basketball, bigger than your, whatever the case may be. So, uh, but they're on you hard. Um, and, and and like you're supposed to go to the free throw line and V line back out. Like he makes you touch that, that that free throw line before you go out. Like that's how him and Coach Self are. So I think they they both very similar. What were some things that Coach Self taught you at Kansas that you really keep with you today? Like even when you weren't playing on the Spurs, I know Coach and Pop are really really similar. But like when you got to Charlotte, what were certain things that you learned from Coach Self where you're like, okay, these are things I got to keep in my mind to make sure that I that you have the career you have right now. I mean, you really dogged it out. So what what were those kind of things? Oh, uh, I mean, he used to always he used to always say, uh, like I smile, but like in, in my heart, like I'm a killer type shit. So I would uh, I always keep that. Like, I've always been, like, Nali, you know, so lucky. I'm always happy, but got to have that killer instinct. Um, and it's not about you. That's a big one. I just said that. Uh, it's not about you. It's always about the person right of you. So, like, just making sure everybody around me is good, whether that's with family or whether that's with my teammates. And just trying to make everything better. And I feel like if everybody making everybody better, then I'm getting better. So that's what I try to. Try. 
I wanted to ask you, what, speaking of going from, from KU to Charlotte, what was the adjustment like between college and the NBA? How, how, how did you take that adjustment? Uh, I, definitely my first year was rough. Um, you go from, like you said, I barely got out of the games when I was in my senior year. Um, all American, whatever, whatever the case may be. Then you go to DMPs, which did not do not did not play. Like bench, jacket on, like uh, going down to the G League. Um, obviously, traveling was a big adjustment. Like flying here, flying here, flying. Wake up, practice. Wake up, hotel bed. Like all of that was a huge adjustment. Um, weight training different uh pretty much everything bro except for like you know the pace of the game it's it's fast but it's kind of slower in a sense um and i think that was another adjustment for me the pace of the game you know being a point guard in the nba is rough it's a tough <laughs> tough job to do maybe you wake up you got guard be urban one night turn around guard lillard turn around guard Kimber walker practice like it was, it was, it was tough. So, um, uh, so I just took it slow and tried to learn Kimba and Tony Parker when I my rookie year. What was the moment where like the switch flipped in Charlotte and you're like, all right, like I, fi- I kind of like figured it out. Like you had some, you had a great season, your second season. Like what was, yeah. what was your, what was your moment where you know, where it all kind of flipped? Appreciate it, Mitch and Chris. Before we get back to Raw Talk, I got to tell you guys about the best way to make money on sports. I've been in search of the best way to fire on sports for the last year or so. I've tried every sports book, all the different apps, but Prize Picks is the best way to make money on sports. On Prize Picks, you pick players and not teams. Each player has a set total stat projection. So let's say Patrick Mahomes has a higher or lower than 220 passing yards. If you think he's going to have more, you just click on more. When it hits, you make a bunch of money. I just hit a four-player pick on last night 10x in my money 100 bucks to win a thousand and the best part is you can go to prizefix.com slash rock chalk and use the code rock chalk for a 100 deposit match up to 100 dollars. that's prizefix.com slash rock chalk use the promo code rock chalk for a 100 deposit match up to 100 bucks who knows what you can turn that 100 bucks into i turned mine into a thousand last night let me know what you do in the comments We call them PD coaches. I play development coaches. They, um, my guy, his name is Nate Mitchell. He was, we used to watch film all the time together. And like, obviously my role when I got in the game, it wasn't to be a scorer or wasn't to, you know, whatever the case may be. It was like, okay, come in, get Kimber the ball, make plays, don't turn the ball over and make sure you're plus minus when you come in. Plus, like, you can't come in and they start winning or Maybe so that was my whole mindset. And one time he came in and he was like, You gotta, you you don't not shoot the ball, you know what I'm saying? You're not even looking for him, like, you got to be aggressive. You got Kimba in front of you. the organization, is looking for somebody to be a backup to Kimba. Like, when Kimba comes out, we need a mini Kimba to come in. So then, once I started kind of thinking like that, and I was going to the G league and I'm trying to do everything that Kimba do, come off the screen, shoot. Get in the paint, finish floaters, and started 
actually I was scoring averaging like 23 that in the G League it kind of made me aggressive and I think that's when like the switch flipped and I had maybe like 15 or something in one of the games I moved up from the G League and I just kind of took off there and so let's move back to draft night going to Charlotte I mean we when you're you were a great player in, in college, no doubt about that. But when you're kind of in your spot of the draft, like you didn't really know exactly where you were going. What was it like mm-hmm. when you got picked? Was it a sigh of relief or was it more of just like, hey, I made it. It didn't matter where I got picked. Oh, uh, no, it, definitely, it always matters. That, yeah. that, that was a, a, for my agent, my, a big thing for my agent. Like during those workouts, he was putting me on teams where, you know, it, it fit where he thought I was drafted. So like, uh, my agent was telling me you can go anywhere from 28 to 55. Yeah. So we're going to work out with these teams that could possibly draft. Did like 16 workouts for those teams. And then draft. I had my whole family. Uh, we rented out a hotel, like, um, and, and just had, like, the DJ in the bar and, like, that good time. Um, but no, it was definitely a sigh of relief. Like, as soon as my name got called, like, I was sitting looking at my phone because my agent told me he was going to text or call before I got drafted. And so I'm like, okay, well, another pick coming up and I didn't get drafted. <laughs> and I think Javon Carter and uh, Jalen Brunson right before me. Yeah. So, like, I was just like, I'm like, okay, damn, I, maybe, I'm, maybe I fell down couple of, a couple of spots and I ain't getting drafted. As soon as they called thirty four, they my went off and the room just exploded and y'all just started praying me and my mom and that it was it was party time. <laughs> <laughs> when when you figured out that it was Charlotte, like did you have the yeah. idea like was it like all right there's a fifty percent chance I'm going to Charlotte or is like uh, there could be I any got, of these teams? So I got drafted drafted to the Hawks. Oh shit! Yeah. You're right. I forgot. It was like we started partying and and jumping around and doing all that, crying, taking pictures. And Skinny, Skinny came up like, "Yo, you going to Charlotte?" I'm like, "Bro, what are you talking about?" He was like, "Then he showed me the phone or the tweet like Devonte Graham Hawks trade Devonte Graham to the Charlotte Hornets." And then when I seen that, I'm like, oh, I'm going right up the street. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's double it. Got even more excited. One of my uncles had on a Charlotte Hornets hat. He gave me the hat. I put it on like I was at draft night. Like it did. Yeah. It, all, it, just, it was all just, it was perfect. So, I mean, you go through your first, your first year, your second year, you start playing a lot better. Was it your second year that you hit the, uh, the longest game winner in NBA history? Or was that your third year? No. Was that? Was that? No, that was like last. That was two years. That was two years ago. I thought you were in Charlotte. No, 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 I was with the Pelicans. Oh, you were. Okay, damn. All right, but okay. Yeah. So, what was what was like the time? I mean, you signed your your second. Okay, let me let me rephrase this whole question. What was <laughs> it like? <laughs> I'm sorry. I know I was reading up on that shit today. I forgot that you had like I didn't know you still like legitimately had the record. Like you beat it by like six feet or something. Longest longest winner. 
Yeah, NBA. longest game winner. But uh, so what was that like? Yeah, everybody in the NBA, when you play in the NBA, like you obviously get drafted, you have your first stint, and that first stint is pretty common. But then you look at the amount of people that get a second contract, and you signed a pretty decent second contract. What was it like where you kind of like you signed that and you're like, okay, I'm I'm gonna be a staple in the league for at least the next three, four years? Oh man, it was a blessing to be honest. Um, like you said, like going into Kansas, my first year, like, okay, not gonna play by years two and three. It's like, okay, I got and year four is like, okay, I can actually make it to the NBA. Then I go back, start off, and year one is like all right, I really played G League year two. I was supposed to be coming off the bench, a couple injuries, and I come in and I fell. And then next thing you know, I'm starting and got a starting role. Then I just kind of took off from there. Uh, year three, when we got Melo, mm-hmm. so you know, obviously he steps into that role of being the superstar that he is. And then, you know, Charlotte's like, okay, well, have three point guards. Now we got Yello and Terry Rozier. We're probably not going to pay. We want to, but we're going to pay you a little less. And I'm like, okay, well, take less money home or do I sacrifice $6 million? It's like, I'm going to go to New Orleans and take this. Hey, that $6 million is going to need to move anywhere right now. I can, I, I agree with that. <laughs> on that one. <laughs> yeah, pass up on six million, man. So, yeah. Devante, speaking of of your first contract in the NBA, what was the first thing that you went out and bought and thought, "Hey, like this is like I this is like the special thing that I'm doing for myself." Uh, for myself, I bought I bought my Jag. I bought me a car, but the first thing I ever did was buy my mom a house. So I was I was in debt before I even. <laughs> before I even started getting my checks because, like, my first thing was get my mom, make sure my mom is okay. Like, obviously, everybody know the relationship with my mom, and she had me when she was 14 and all of that, so we didn't go over that, though. But, <laughs> yeah, that was the first thing I did. I went out and told my mom, you know, pick a house, and got her a crib. That's, that's awesome, man. That's so cool. There's got to be, I mean, like, you didn't do that for yourself, but you did that for yourself. I mean, like, that's got to be your lifelong dream. Was that, like, more, was that felt better to buy your mom a house than it did to go buy your Jags and go buy your dogs or whatever you, whatever else you did with the rest of that money? It has to, that has to be the most important purchase of your life, probably. Easily. Not even close to nothing that I bought, you know, for myself or whatever the case may be. Like, I didn't buy my first house until I got in New Orleans, so it was four years into the league before I even bought myself a house. That was like priority number one is make sure mom's is straight. Devontae, I wanted to transition a little bit to talk about your time right now with the Spurs. Obviously the biggest name in, sport, or in sports and in basketball is, is Victor Wembanyama. What's it like playing with him? What can you tell us about his game and how, and how he, uh, and how he plays the game? Man, biggest name going on right now. Definitely man. And his well, deserved uh kid works hard bro like in the gym today we got shoot around we play at seven he wanted the last people to leave the gym in their grind and working doing one-on-ones versus coaches all types of all types of stuff uh but it's just 
seven four, bro. You can't you can't coach some of the stuff that he be doing. Like the way grab the ball and turn and just put it dunk the ball like without jumping, be crazy. Like I mean, he's gonna be a special, you know, special special talent. <laughs> Did you guys? I mean, I'm sure you've seen the video, but the video of him dunking on a uh, Thomas Bryant. What was like the locker room saying about that? Because Tom, I mean, he has like an all-time great reaction. I mean, he's sitting there like looking at the crowd, like, like the. What, what do happened? I do? What happened? He was like, "Oh my god, like <laughs> you can't, bro. His arms too long, like, and he just catching the ball and he just casually just shoot over people and people be think like contesting, thinking they gonna fight the shots. Like, it's, you can't do nothing but. Fight. It's uh, it's almost like. You know Kevin Durant, like you can't really block his shot. Yeah, it's like Kevin Durant, but you added four inches to his height, right. and even more to his wingspan. Like watching him play, like it almost feels like it almost feels like you went and took the two K sliders and took them all the way up and made a and made it and made like an alien. Like it's crazy. That's what they call him. He made the tallest guy ever on two K. <laughs> okay, so outside outside of Victor, because obviously I know you can't guard Victor. No, no one in the league probably when he starts going. Who is the hardest dude where, like, you're walking into a matchup and you're just like, no. Like, tonight's going to be a long one. Who's the hardest dude in the NBA that you have to guard? Uh, Top two top two guys would be Steph and probably Kyrie. Yeah. Would, Obviously, you, say, would you say with Steph, like, it's just because he comes off so many screens and you just got to chase yeah. him? Chase him? It's, it's a tiring night. Like, you got to make sure you – you you ice and well rest the night the night before because like he's more dangerous without the ball. So like usually your man pass it, he goes stand in the corner. You know you can help defense shift. It's like he passing it, and then next thing you know he's in that corner in the opposite corner or the opposite wing. Like and he's just and everybody's looking. Like, go screen for stuff. Go, so you're running through four or five screens in one possession, and then you got to come down again. He might have the ball, pick and roll, come off pass it or run it off three screens so it's just like you know but Kyrie obviously is more ISO shift you gotta buckle up yeah you gotta lock in and like his handle he's so crappy ways you know so would you I wanted to ask you one more question about this uh-huh. I got one question all right you got it I want to ask you one more question about this year's KU team what are your expectations expectations for them obviously they've got they got some big names there Hunter Dickinson Kevin McCullough's back Juan's back what is your expectations for them and, and do you guys follow along with KU like even though you're playing your own games in the NBA of course you know we got to keep up with the squad man you know that uh I don't I, I only know like like a couple of guys that's left though. like that I've actually like man, I mean I went there this summer but I didn't know none of the, yeah. the new uh-huh. guys you know the expectation. You know they never change. Like obviously, have a winning season. You know the pieces are gonna fall in place. And you know, Juan, Juan, Juan said they're gonna win a chip, man. So I, I just hope I could I could be there to see it this year. You know, I want to be in the building. It was in New Orleans when I was in New Orleans and I couldn't go because we were all the way in California. I was. Piss. Sick. No, that's Man. one of those. You, you're in practice that morning. You pull a hammy. You're like, you're just, hey, give me that. Slide out. <laughs> I asked my coach if I could buy a private jet to fly and fly back to meet them in Sacramento. Like, I was trying to get there so bad, bro. Because I already knew 
everybody knew it was it was just good vibes. I felt like y'all was going. It was right. great vibes, and New Orleans is a hell of a place to have a national championship. Oh exactly. <laughs> I had a detail. I had a great time in your city that night. A fantastic <laughs> time. You know, if I can tell you the stories, bro, it was one of the wildest nights of my entire life. It'll be, it'll be, that'll be one after we, after we hit done recording. Sorry, people watching this right now. Those ones will never yeah. be aired, but these <laughs> are a little bit of inside scoop on uh, Mitch and Chris's night in New Orleans that night. <laughs> we, uh, we got, we got into some uh, real fun, real fun. Yeah. All, all family clean fun though, so it, it was a good night. <laughs> In bed by in bed by uh, midnight of the next day, but yeah, <laughs> of the next day. <laughs> oh man, Chris, you got anything else? I mean, not really. I think that was good. I mean, we, you want to be good, Devonte? You got anything Actually, else we want to talk about? We gotta hit him with some football questions. I forget that football is good uh, now. Yeah, we gotta yeah, hit yeah. you with some football questions. Got to. Not like really like in depth shit. I'm not gonna ask you know what coverage we run. I'm just mostly just gonna be like. <laughs> How good is it for the universe? Why do the Dallas Cowboys suck, man? Oh, whoa, whoa. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Yeah, what happened on, yeah, shit, I forgot you're a Cowboys fan. The, okay, we'll, we'll start, we'll start with a little NFL. I'll ask you about the Cowboys, because I remember me, we had a pretty good, like, you would talk your shit when we played the Cowboys, and you guys beat us that one time. I swear to God, I didn't not hear about it for, like, the rest of the year. Who, the Chiefs? Yeah. Yes. Okay, I forgot, y'all, yeah, y'all like the Chiefs. Bro, what do you mean? <laughs> That's why y'all want to talk football because y'all got a real good team. Is that like- no, I was going to talk Kansas football, and then Mitch mentioned the Cowboys suck, and it, it, it sparked some memories oh, oh. in my brain. Okay. <laughs> All right, so, Detail, you're a big Dallas Cowboys fan. Why do they suck? That's <laughs> <laughs> comedy. We had, we had one bad game. And one bad game. The 49ers, the 49ers put it on us, you know. We're bouncing back from a bye week, you know, so. We Brock Purdy, man. All right, every year is out here, though. Y'all know this. Every <laughs> this have, guy, you gone to, have you God. gone to any games being, in, being down in Texas? No, bro. Let me tell y'all about that. I tried to go to the game when they was playing the Jets. I think this might have been week one. Aaron Rodgers get hurt, whatever the case may be. So I'm like, yo, okay. I text the people from the Spurs. I'm like, yo, do y'all have the plug to get some tickets? Maybe the suite tickets, whatever. They like all the tickets sold out. I'm like, okay, so what about the suite? Guess how much they said the suite was? I didn't want to know. Too much? (laughs) Guess the number. 70. 200. Damn, 200 what? (laughs) Dollar. I bet you it was probably like 20K. It was 30. Oh, shit. 30? I sent back the laughing emojis. That's 10, that's 10 no, an hour. Not, no, I would not. I ain't that big of a fan. <laughs> I love the Dallas Cowboys. I love them. Like, yeah, I want them to win every game, but not for $30,000. I ain't ready to check the Jerry. I ain't ready to check the Jerry for 30 bands. Man. Yeah, Jerry gonna have to have a conversation. <laughs> All right, so let's let's move this away from NFL and let's go to Kansas because I mean, when you were at KU, it was the same for me and Mitch. I think we won what Mitch like five games. Not a lot. Yeah, Not a lot. five games the whole time we were there. Mitch was there for like a decade. And we only won five in that those of that decade. 
uh, how how much would it have meant to have the KU football team kind of be on the prestige that it is right now when you were at Kansas? Man, it would have been – I mean, it would have been great, bro. We supported no matter what, though, to be honest. Yeah. Like, we went to the game. Like, and it was always – Coach Self even be preaching that, you know, y'all, like, we would have practice early Saturday so that we can make the game if the game was at 2 o'clock and stuff like that. But, I mean, it was just – it would have been a great time. You know what I'm saying? Like, it would have been even more fun at KU. Like, KU already fun. The tailgates, the party, and fun. Uh, but, you know, they're winning, and it's, you know, actually fun to watch the game. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, that's huge. For sure. I think during – in my experience, like, we would always have the most fun, like, before the game, and then we go do the tailgates, and then we go into the game, and then there would be – the second quarter would start and we'd look up at the scoreboard and be like, all right, well, uh, what are we doing now? Like, it's time to go. It's time we're to go. To Oriad, we're going to the fifth floor. What? Yeah. <laughs> we're going to the Oriad and uh, the wheels open. So see you guys later. Okay. So outside of, outside of the Kansas football team being good, another new thing in the NCAA and NIL, I people ask me all the time, like, who is the person that like missed out on NIL the most? Like, if you would have been, if they would have been here when NIL was going, and I always say, you, do you think you would have made a million dollars your last year if NIL was a thing? <laughs> you had to. Hey, I would have made a good amount of money. I Man, I'm not gonna put a number on it, but nah, yeah, I would have made a million dollars. It's crazy, dude. Like. People, like, I've been approached about it, like, oh, like, this, 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 and this. Like, no. Devontae would have made, like, twice what everybody else was making. Like, he had – everybody in the town loved him. Everybody in the town wanted to be affiliated with him. Like, the amount of companies that would have come up to you and be like, oh, do a commercial for us. Do this for us. Do that for us. Thing, too. I would have been 10 times harder. That would have been the time, Lawrence. Hey. Speaking of endorsement deals, Devontae, didn't you get it after you graduated? Didn't you get a car through through uh, your connections? Yeah. Yeah. Talk about oh, that yeah. situation. Like, how how cool is that that you were able to get a car after you graduated? No, nah, yeah, that was dope, man. Um, Miles, his name Miles, right? Sharon, Mr. Sharon. <laughs> Come on now, Miles over at Toyota. Yeah, for sure. We did, I did a commercial with him, and I got a a Forerunner. For free, it was like two, years. like a two-year deal. Yeah, not yeah, bad at all. Not bad at all. Mm-hmm. So you and really, then, yeah, you really were doing nil deals. I mean, as soon as the season ended, it was like nil open season for DT. But that's like where I always, <laughs> that's what I always say is like, dude, even after the year, like it was unheard of that people were doing commercials as soon as the year ended. And then you got you, I mean, mayor, like really the mayor of Lawrence, the most popular player that I think Kansas has had in like a community sense. I mean, obviously you have Frankie's national put year, a bunch of public stuff, but then you have you who's like, as a person in the community, everybody in Lawrence loved you. You, yeah, dude, you would have made, you some of the numbers that I've seen from these guys right now, you would have made some, you may have not pretty been, Yeah, you may have just chilled in Lawrence the rest of your life. <laughs> the mayor, baby. The numbers is crazy out here. Oh, hell yeah. All right, DT, appreciate your time. That's all we got for you. Uh, good luck this season for the Spurs. We'll be we'll be keeping up, but, uh, hey, appreciate you. Appreciate you, my boy. Appreciate you, Mitch.